final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew. Kane. Lambert. Parker. Brett. Ash. And Captain Dallas. Are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley. Last survivor of the Nostromo. Signing off. Hello and welcome to Season 10, Episode 122 of the Cartridge Club's Game of the Month podcast, where we bring together members of the Cartridge Club community to discuss our monthly playthrough. If you're new to the club or interested in participating in future months, please join our community Discord or follow us on Twitter at CartridgeClubNA. We love seeing the hashtag CartridgeClubUse whenever you guys play one of our games of the month. I'm Dean Lasagna from Round 2 Gaming and the Video Game Library, and on behalf of our rotating pool of hosts, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Additionally, on behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I want to give a huge shout out to our Patreon Club Backer tier members. That's Joel Boyce, Ross Rango, Kevin from CanadianGrooves.ca, Christopher Rohr, and Caleb J. Ross. Thank you guys so much. You're a really integral part of why we do this each and every month. Uh, so, so thank you for that. Uh, speaking of month, it's October, and that means another spooky game to celebrate Halloween. Uh, now in the past, the Cartridge Club has played games like uh, Diablo 2, we've played Castlevania 3, uh, last year we played Telltale's The Walking Dead, which is pretty spooky, but this time we're not messing around. For Season 10, October's Game of the Month is really an edge-of-your-seat fear fest. We played Alien Isolation, heralded as one of the greatest movie tie-in games of all time, question mark. Joining me to talk about it is, a, is an awesome panel of guests who have all played this in the past. Uh, first is a, a longtime Cartridge Club member. Uh, he's been a, a just a pillar of my weekly playlist for, for the past couple of years. Uh, it's the incredibly talented Disposed Hero. Thanks for joining. <laughs> hey guys, great to be here. Next up is probably the biggest motivation I had earlier this year to play through the first four Fantasy Star games. And I, I don't think I, I ever thanked him for that. But uh, Jeremy, thank you. <laughs> yeah, anytime. <laughs> How y'all doing? Uh, and and finally, we got a, a new guest to the Cartridge Club community. It's MYT of the Elite Institute. Runs the EliteInstitute.net, which is a collection of, and I want to say over 300 uh, written reviews of, of different games. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks guys for joining. So... Alien Isolation, I mean, this was this was made by the team at Creative Assembly. Uh, it was published by Sega, and it's been out for, man, almost a decade now, right? 20, 2014? So it's been out for a while. Uh, this was my first time playing through it, but you guys, like I said, seem to be pretty big veterans of, of the game. You guys have all played it in the past. So I'm curious sort of what your experience with 
with Alien Isolation has been, but also what's your experience with the the Alien franchise as a whole? Uh, MYT, why don't we start with you? Well, I'm a long-time Alien fan, like a huge fan of most of the movies, I'd say. Uh, not all of them, there is definitely one or two duds. And I've played most of the Alien games as well, so, you know, obviously with Alien Isolation, I picked it up pretty much straight away. Um, kind of went in with a bit of trepidation, shall we say, after Colonial Marines was a bit of a bit of a flop, shall we say, but uh, I played it on the 360 when it came out and loved it on that and we purchased it on the Switch when it came out years ago now and um, also enjoyed it on that as well so it was great to replay it and going back in for a second time it didn't lose any of its fear factor I'm amazed that this came out on the 360 just kind of thinking back to man that's like that's a few generations ago and for me I played it on my, my Steam Deck but it looked really good and it like was a genuinely like with the particle effects and the lighting effects like it i'd be curious to see what it looked like on the 360 but man that's a that's a pretty high bar it came out at the time that the 360 was ending and going into the xbox one era so it was one of those cross-generational games and you know i didn't have an xbox one so i thought well we'll see what the 360 one's like and it had some long loading screens and that's pretty much all it seemed to sacrifice aside from that the graphics were you know for me i couldn't really tell the difference at the time yeah that's crazy how about you jeremy hey um so it wasn't my first time with the game i played it back on the xbox one for this uh playthrough i played on the series x um and then alien itself is one of those franchises that's kind of like always been around for me like star trek and star wars um, I think w what the second movie came out in 1986 and I remember watching that as young as like eight or nine years old. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, which is, you know, just a fun thing to think about, uh, someone that young watching that, but, um, it, it was really like a, a, you know, kind of formative, uh, series along, alongside, like I mentioned, Star Trek and Star Wars. So, um, first aliens game that I played was the aliens three game for Sega Genesis which, you know, is kind of um, hit or miss with some folks, but uh, can be kind of a fun fun experience, uh, it, it, you know, if you go into it uh, knowing what you're expecting and everything. Yeah, it's funny you say you saw the, the second movie when you were young. So my first experience with anything alien was I was at my friend's house having a sleepover. We were, yeah, maybe eight, seven, eight years old. And uh, his parents had rented Aliens, the, the second movie. And so they were watching it in the entertainment center and they said, whatever you do, just don't come in. And of course that, you know, so we, we opened the door and we were literally on our hands and knees, like crawling behind the couch so they don't see us. And we peeked over at the time where the, I don't remember the, the, the Android gets ripped apart and there's just milk everywhere, right? Like the, the Android juice. <laughs> and that scared the shit out of me for years. I, I did not want to have anything to do with that. It's probably been like any time, uh, it would be on TV. My mom would be watching the first alien movie. I think that's, that was her favorite movie was, was the first one in 1979. So, um, I did, did experience it a little bit after that. And I rewatched it, uh, for this playthrough and it definitely holds up. It's a, that first one is a great, great movie. Disposed. How about you? Yeah. So I never watched any of the movies as a kid. My, uh, I think I've seen most of them, if not all of them over the years as an adult, but I think my first exposure to the franchise I was going to say it was the old Alien vs. Predator game that came out on PC like in 2001 or something, but 
Jeremy actually reminded me that it was actually Alien 3 on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> My first exposure to the franchise at all. But I uh, first played Alien Isolation back in 2016 and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, it was I thought it was one of the most scary and stressful games I'd ever played. And then uh, sometime last year I was actually streaming it. Uh, and I streamed about halfway through the game. And it was a completely different experience because I think... Streaming is just kind of a different experience playing a game anyway, so you're kind of distracted and there's other things going on. You're not you're not by yourself. There's people, you know, chatting with you. And so I uh, it wasn't scary at all during that experience. And uh, I actually didn't enjoy it as much while I was streaming it. And I was kind of curious how a replay would uh, would turn out. And it was uh, kind of somewhere in between. But I think we'll talk about uh, some of the reasons why. But that's uh, but at the end of the day, I still think it's a, it holds up. It's a really great game. Do you guys have a lot of experience with other horror games? Like outside of like Silent Hill, Resident Evil, that's that's really the portfolio of horror games that I've played. Um, I've never really dove into Amnesia or any of those those big heavy hitters. For me, I'm a huge horror fan. I'm I love like horror games in particular. This kind of um, being chased by an unstoppable creature, that type of horror game, I'm not as fond of. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Amnesia, which is, again, one of those defenseless horror games, or Outcast. Those games I don't usually like as much, um, which is obviously a surprise why I like Alien Isolation so much. Um, but normally I'm more into things like, you know, Resident Evil or Signalis, that, you know, that type of survival horror game. Or like those campy VHS horror games that have become quite popular lately, like the puppet combo games yeah, where... Yeah. It looks like a PS1 game with the VHS filter, and um, it's just, you know, obnoxiously gory, like, you know, those uh, video nasties back in the day. Yeah. Uh, big fan of those ones, but I'll, I'll eat up anything that's horror, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, this definitely has some, some horror elements to it. So so let's dive into the story of, of the game itself. So in Alien Isolation, you play as uh, a 25-year-old Amanda Ripley. Right. She's the daughter of Ellen Ripley, who's Sigourney Weaver's character from the movie. And she's disappeared, you know, 15 years prior to the events of the game. So the crux of the game is that, you know, you've heard that the flight recorder for your mother's ship, uh, the, the Nostromo, has been has been found. And it's just waiting for retrieval on this giant space station called Sevastopol. So imagine just like this, this giant space station with three giant towers and it's it's by a big sun a big gas giant and normally it's a it's a bustling area of, of commerce and, and industry um but at this point it's it's really just like a haunted house in space right by the time you get there you're, you're stranded and you realize something's happening on the ship the people are dead right they're they're just mutilated the androids are acting all weird uh, all the systems are just malfunctioning so the story sort of takes an early shift from you know i gotta find this flight recorder for my mother to just get off the ship and and from a story perspective that's really it as as you sort of play through you know you you can unfold some elements like the you know the the corporate conspiracies with Wayland yutani group and siegson and and some of the, the shady experiments but more or less it's a pretty simple story so i guess I'd be curious to hear not only your thoughts on the story, but how the story is told. Because for me, you know, in the first scene, I kind of got turned off a little bit where um, the Samuels, I think the android, his name is, you know, he's sort of 
monologuing the entire backstory. You know, he's almost like, you know, Amanda, you haven't seen your mother in 15 years and it's been bothering you for so long. And now is your one chance to close that. He's just like articulating the entire backstory. Um, but as you play more through the game, you realize that a lot of the lore and narrative design is really supported by, you know, the Sebastolink emails or uh, the different audio recordings that you find. And there's there's a lot of lore even spray painted on walls. So, you know, how did you guys feel about how the story was told overall, not only in the dialogue, but also in these uh, sort of extra uh, environmental areas as well? Well, for me, before I went into the game, I, I was very kind of pessimistic about the story. You know, being told from the perspective of Ellen's daughter, it just seemed like they were using it to try and sell copies more than anything. So I wasn't keen on that idea at all, because, you know, again, going back to Colonial Marines, they, they took characters from the movies and used that as a selling point. Um, however, in this one, I feel it really justified it. Um, you know, as you say, the, the introduction of setting the scene isn't quite told as well. But as you start to find elements like the old flight recorder and you start reading the emails, there's a, there's a lot of love for the series here. And um, whilst there's not a great deal to the story, I think there's a lot of good world building. Like whether it's the characters or just the details of what is Sevastopol and you know, seeks and industries and their, you know, competition with whaling Utami. It doesn't do a whole lot that's necessarily new, but I kind of felt like um, it it told its story well. It might have gone on for a little bit too long in some places, but I, I still kind of feel like it felt like a part of the alien universe. You're, you're totally right. Like, the, the, the story elements and the lore really transcends the, the Sevastopol station entirely, right? It's like a, a race for android technology and, you know, some larger corporations competing against each other. And, you know, it really takes you sort of away from just get off the ship into this is an actual universe that other things happen. There's mining vessels and there's um, commerce around all of this. And there's, you know, people losing jobs and, and livelihoods. It's not just a bunch of scientists in space station XYZ. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate how, uh, you know, like NYT said, this uh, game fleshed out the story a little bit more in, in, in showing that, um, you know, it's not just one group of people that are looking to weaponize this uh, alien, you know, like the, the many people have discovered it and, you know, want to use it for their own purposes and take con and try to take control of it for themselves. I um, also appreciate how the story unfolds, like, in a sort of natural way, like as you progress through it, um, you know, interactions with different characters, um, uh, kind of, and, and like you said, the background effects kind of tell the story, but if you want to like really dive into it, you have the emails and the, the audio calls and everything, which I think are, you know, a good um, way to like really um, flesh out the story some more. Well, you, you mentioned the emails, and I think it's really cool that the game allows you to go back and, and sort of have a log of all of those those communications, and you can start putting the pieces together, because it's not all sequential. It's not like you're reading the first email and then going through a, a giant chain throughout the game. Like, there's, there's pieces that you have to assemble, everything from people emailing their families to get off the ship to, you know, people, uh, you know, getting fired and, and, you know, yelling at their bosses to... Uh, some some big corporate conspiracy, you know, encrypted emails. So it, it's really fun to 
go through those when there is a little bit of downtime, which is sort of few and far between, but really start to put the lore together and, and put the pieces in place. Dispose? Yeah, so early on, I was really trying to follow the story closely and reading the uh, the logs and the emails and everything. And uh, you get to a point where the alien's sort of stalking around and uh, I, I just feel like I, I didn't have time to read them at the terminals and I never went back in the menu. So, um, and I, I'm not opposed to that approach to storytelling. Like Resident Evil is one of my favorite video game franchises. It's very big on journal entries and I always enjoy reading those, but because like I felt like I wasn't able to read those um, because of the alien stalking around, I uh, started kind of tuning out the story, I think, um, after the first few hours. And uh, I think because of that, I, I, I kind of felt like the story, um, at least from my perspective, was it was serviceable it was fine uh, i didn't really think it was it felt like it was kind of there just to just as a vehicle for the for the gameplay um i felt like a, a lot of the main story plot points were uh, pretty predictable i really think from what i read early on i think the the lord was very interesting and i kind of wish i had had more of an opportunity to uh take those in as I was uh, seeing them in the game because I think by the time you get past some of those sections because I did make it a point to check every terminal and like kind of check all the little emails just so they were kind of in my, my log or, or whatever and, and uh, you know click on the audio logs that they kind of play in the background I'm halfway listening to them but I think by the time I got to like more of a safe place where I was ready to uh, go back and uh, read through those it was just so much and it was overwhelmed and I just uh like I said I kind of tuned it out at that point but uh yeah maybe at some point I'll have to make a point to uh go back and read a lot of that yeah I mean it is a little contradictory right like you're you're never safe in this game mm -hmm. and uh, I mean I guess that that sort of lends itself to do I want to read this email but if you're hiding all the lore in the emails you got to expect the player to have some time to read it so I, I know they they tried to inject like uh little passcodes and hints and stuff so you you sort of have to read a lot of these emails in order to um you know open some some doors and stuff um but i, I totally get what you mean and those audio recordings sometimes you just want to turn them off it's just like okay i, I want to take this tape and put yeah. it in my pocket and then listen to it later not while i'm trying to listen if an alien is above me yeah it's playing over the <laughs> the sound effects that you need to listen to exactly. to know where the enemies are exactly myt you mentioned it uh, a little bit around uh, the length I think one of the biggest critiques the game had when it was released is that it, it sort of overstays its welcome. It's an almost 20 hour game. And if you think about, you know, the varied elements of the game, the reality is you're, you're being stalked the, the entire time. There's, there's never a downtime and that works really well for sort of shorter spurts, but for 20 hours it can be exhausting. I guess just in general, how do you guys feel about the length of the game? Is it is it too long for its own good, or did that length really lend itself to what the the developers were trying to show? Um, well, for me, I felt that some sections of the game went on for a little bit longer than they could have. But in general, I, I think the story's not too bad. For me personally, I think it ended five minutes too late, because that very, very last sequence, I felt just let the whole thing down. You know, because without the you know, risk of spoiling it for anyone who hasn't actually played it yet, it ends on a cutie, effectively. Um, after, you know, intense sequence after intense sequence, and what is honestly quite a good sequence to end it five minutes before, then becomes a bit of um, a bit of a flat note to end it on. I, I think 
the main kind of issue is that it has so many multiple endings as well. Like, about halfway through the game, you think it's over, and then obviously in traditional alien fashion, it comes back. Um, but then you get rid of it, and then it comes back again. And then you get rid of it, and it comes back again. And then there's more of them, and then they come back again. And it just goes on like that for a bit too much. And I think that maybe a couple of those could have been cut, um, to reduce the length slightly, to increase a bit more of the impact. Um, as I say, I don't mind most of them, uh, even on a replay, but that final one, that final one just really doesn't do it for me, and it, as I say, puts a bit of a damper on the end of the story. I, I totally agree, and and I'd be lying if I said my eyes weren't rolling at the amount of like power failures and door failures, just like, oh god, I need to get another key so I can get in that door, so I can touch that computer to unlock another door, to go, oh no, that's down too now, oh, that's on fire, oh, that exploded. It's just this like comedic you know, sequence of, of just things happening one after the other. It's just like, this space station sucks. <laughs> uh, my first playthrough the game, um, I didn't really notice the length as, you know, being um, padded, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, um, I felt like it flowed pretty well in that first playthrough, but through this playthrough, at the beginning, I feel like the se sequences of events really like work out, really like start to build towards something. But as you get further and further through the game, you start to feel that padding, that backtracking, you know, it's dealing with the same events uh, over and over, you know, and if we're talking about like a 20 something hour long game, you probably have, in my opinion, or my view on a replay, like a good like 12 to 15 hours of like solid, smooth gameplay. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I feel like my first time playing through, I didn't really notice it or think anything of it being too long, but this time I I think it's a little longer than it needs to be as a single player linear experience. Um, you know, 20 hours is on the lengthy side for a game like that, especially with the slow pace of it. And a lot of it does feel kind of padded. Um, like you said, there were so many sections where, you know, there's just like an obstruction and you have to find a way around it. I think. There are so many times where your objective is find an alternative route to this area, you know, because like the, the easy route always blocked. Um, and I feel like there was a couple places where you you do something in the game and it just feels kind of pointless. Like, for example, one thing that stands out to me is there's a part where you're trying to lock the alien in a stairwell and you're having to like close all these doors and it's a, you know, somewhat lengthy section. And then at the end of it, they're just like, yeah, we just let it out. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It just, yeah, it, it really feels like they were, um, they, they, they kind of forced it to be that length, and I think it was a little longer than it needed to be. Yeah, just, it, and like you said, it's just a comedic amount of just obstructions in the game. Yeah. Well, if, if 20 hours isn't long enough, uh, they, they added a bunch of DLC to the game as well. I don't know if you guys had, had played that, but I, I played two of them. I played uh, Last Survivor and Crew Expendable, which are... I think the, the two movie-related tie-in ones, I, I don't know if there was any others that were released, but um, one you play as uh, any one of the crew members just after Brett dies in the first movie, and you're, you're trying to force the, the Xenomorph into the, the airlock. And then the second one um, is is more about The Last Survivor, where you're, you play as Ellen Ripley, and you you know have to self-destruct the Nostromo, and there's an alien on your escape pod, and, and all of that. Did you guys play those at all? I did. Yeah? <laughs> uh, I've played them through multiple times. I find that when I want a quick fix of Alien Isolation, the DLCs kind of offer that, because they're not particularly long. It's more just, do you remember this scene from the film? Now you can play it, but with Alien Isolation mechanics. So you can use, like, 
you know, the whole crafting thing, you can use some of the weapons from the game and um, just play through those scenes. And I think they do a pretty good job for the most part. The Last Survivor one is probably my favourite, as all the steam vents are going and the alarms are flailing and yeah. the aliens coming at you. And it's a very stressful sequence, but also quite a good one as well. So I think they did a good job at, you know, appealing to the fans. And from what I remember as well, I think it was originally a pre-order bonus. So I think they gave yeah. it away. I think they gave that one away for free for people who uh, who got the game early. But then there were some other DLCs as well, but that was related to like the challenge levels, so it wasn't kind of proper story content. And was it all the original voice cast too? Maybe not all, but like they, they brought back I, the actors, right? They had like Gordon Weaver and so. Thomas. Gunn. I I'm not entirely sure if they actually brought back the actors or they took lines from the film okay. and just got permission to actually use the existing lines. Right. Because I don't really remember any kind of lines that weren't actually in the film anyway. Um, apart from some maybe kind of odd comments that they make during gameplay, but sure. um, honestly, I, I don't. I don't know if they got them back or not. I think they may have just used it for the film, but honestly, I have no idea. I, I thought they did a really good job anyway. But you're right; they are they are fairly short. Um, I would have loved to. I'd love to just play a whole Alien game, just just in general, based on the first movie, just like this, the same aesthetic. Sorry, real quick. I was just looking up. Uh info on the downloadable content because it actually sounded pretty interesting to me I, I i didn't play through it but from what you guys are describing it sounds like it's, it might be pretty fun so i was logging it on my um account while i was uh listening to you but i wanted to mention that um it looks like the original cast did reunite for the um uh crew expendable it did part, okay so yeah that's cool yeah. that's super cool yeah yeah so they use their likenesses as well because the character models are actually pretty decent for them yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hop into uh, gameplay. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but it's it's a game where you never quite feel safe at all, and I think it leans really hard into that, even to the point where, you know, the save stations. It's not in a pause menu. It's not in a closed room with a typewriter. It's it's out in the open, and you can be saving, and and there could be something right behind you. So it's it's pretty cool how it never lets out. You know, in terms of enemies, it's not just the alien. You got the paranoid survivors that are still on the ship that, that want to kill you. Uh, you've got those Sikhs and androids, the, the working Joes, whose core AI is making them go go a little crazy. And then you you got the alien that's, that's just stalking you um, a few hours into the game right up until the end. So, it you know, it's, it's a pretty difficult game. Amanda's not really packing heavy artillery like they do in the Aliens movie. It's it's very much true to form of, of the original, where the most you get is really a, a flamethrower and a, a motion tracker. So it's it's more of a game of cat and mouse. Jeremy, why don't you take us through a couple of the game's sort of base mechanics and, and how you get around and different ways you can do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, you know, you have uh, walking and, and running and uh, crouching, you know, um, in each each way you traverse like creates like different levels of noise and everything um uh but then you know there, you have these like little mini games you play as you go through like different locked doorways that's also like kind of serve to create tension i think um you know because you, you can't just like come up to those doorways and like punch your way through or anything you have to press a series of button combinations or like match up like codes or something so if you're being chased by um 
something. <laughs> it's something that like, you know, really makes you like go, like get a little frantic uh, in a sense. Um, so I think it's something that uh, builds tension uh, through that gameplay. Um, same with like crawling through the vents. So like the vents don't just instantaneously open as you like approach them, they slowly open and you slowly crawl through. <laughs> so if you're trying to escape from something, it's like, you, you know, you kind of think in your head, go, 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 go. But, uh, the, you know, the mechanic works the way it works. I, I think it's something that, especially if you're going through the, through for the first time, um, really shines in a way that like, um, you know, like, hate to reuse this word again, but just like really creates that tension in this horror, um, in this horror type of uh, uh, game. You know, it's something that's really well done. And um, in my view, some, you know, something I really appreciate I don't know if this is like a good time to talk about this, but one of the uh, kind of like frustrating aspects that I ran into on my um, second playthrough was that uh, you know if you're if you're not aware that the um, alien is like tethered to you in a certain a certain way, so there's a certain radius that the alien will like go out to, and it won't exceed that radius. Um, and no matter where you walk, you know the alien's constantly within that radius. And uh, I actually found a um, really frustrating bug where um, I knew that the alien was like, you know, off in the distance via my motion tracker. And so I would come up and work a panel and open the door and the alien would be on the other side of the door. And it actually happened three times and, and there was no way for me to like escape it, like with a noisemaker or even like, you know, desperately trying to like run away from it after I opened the door. Um, to the point where, like, even, like, restarting um, the save, like, didn't fix it. It was, like, a really frustrating bug. And um, so I went, had to go back to, it like, an even earlier saved, I think, to, like, clear it out or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but um, it's not something I never encountered on my first playthrough. But during the second playthrough, it was, like, really <laughs> frustrating to have that door open. Even though you know it's, like over here somewhere that you can like hear it in your headphones you open the door it's right on the other side um so that was kind of a frustrating bug i encountered but um never encountered it again um after i had cleared it yeah that's funny there's like there's like few hours worth of videos online about how the ai works because it's it's so unique to to the title it you know brings so much to it the, the, the xenomorph essentially has two sets of ai and um i didn't watch the whole thing but uh, it's it's pretty crazy how much programming goes into making sure it's stalking you. And, and sure, there's some rubber banding along the way where it feels like, oh man, I just can't get away from this thing. But yeah, yeah, definitely keeps that, that fear factor up. And I love how you said, you know, there's these, these mundane things like just opening a vent or a door or, you know, playing a little mini game where you have to like press the button on a slider at the right time. Things that can just be super monotonous they're constantly like hurry the fuck up hurry up like i gotta get through this why you know and it just adds to that tension and it, it makes it more interactive than frustrating i think it's 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 cool yeah i mean you mentioned about the stressful element of having to hack doors um that extends to to the saving because you have like these typewriter type saves where you can only save in limited uh, places but you can save as often as you like the kicker is that it takes time to save. And when you've got an alien creeping up behind you, it's like, where the fuck up, save? Um, you know, hoping to actually kind of get your progress saved without being attacked. 
Um, overall, I kind of enjoyed the stealth system, but I found that the rubber banding was a little bit too much at times. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I even noticed this on my first playthrough. You know, as you mentioned, with the, you know, it was over here, and now it's over here. It seems a little bit too clever, and it's a bit unsatisfying when you use, like, a noisemaker, for example, and you distract it, and you kind of carefully move away, and yet somehow it knows exactly where you are. Uh, I think that maybe it's a little bit too clingy to the player. I understand why they do that, so you've got that constant pressure, but it also means that you're kind of hiding in lockers and vents a lot, just kind of waiting to get away from it, apart from those set moments where, um, you know, the game decides, okay, now it's a robot time, or now it's a civilian time, yep. and the alien's going to take a little bit of a break for a coffee or whatever. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I kind of feel like the rubber banding doesn't quite work as well as it could do, but it does keep the pressure up at least. Um, for me, I personally liked um, using distractions and just trying to get away that way, just to save time hiding in vents, to be honest. Yeah, and you, you guys are, are saying hiding, so I, I wasn't sure to the extent of like how smart this Xenomorph is, but there's even hiding isn't always safe. You know, I'd be hiding in a locker and it'd be like walking around a little bit and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm fine here. I'd be sniffing the door. I'll be like, oh, it's not going to not gonna do anything. And it just rips off the door. It just rips off the door and rips you out. Or you're in a vent and you're like, okay, I, I got in here. It can't fit. Well, no, <laughs> there it is in front of me. I believe it can also detect the motion tracker. So if you use the motion tracker, I think it can hear the beep. You can hear the beep. Or like if you're having some kind of light. So I think it does have some quite clever AI in order to you know, try and sniff you out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and one thing, uh, you alluded to this earlier with the two AIs, but it's basically, you can't stay in the same place for too long or it is, it's programmed to find you after so much time. Uh, from what I heard, one AI always knows where you are and the other is designed to hunt you. And the one that knows where you are is kind of drip feeding little clues to the yeah. other one. Um, so like you cannot stay in the same place for too long or will eventually like hone in on you and... Uh, uh, one of my most memorable experiences from my uh, first time playing through the game was I was hiding in a vent, like you said, thinking I was safe, and uh, I was watching the Xenomorph, and I was kind of waiting for a uh, clear opportunity to to exit the vent and you know proceed, and and then uh, next thing I knew, the alien snuck up in the vent behind me, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so so now like I noticed on this playthrough, I'm I'm pretty wary of going into vents while the Xenomorphs roaming around. <laughs> I don't feel safe yeah. in there. But uh, yeah, my, my approach was mostly just to try to uh, crouch around and be quiet and sneak and uh, try, try not to let the alien find me. And knowing I can't stay in the same place for too long. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Uh, MYT, you mentioned uh, noisemakers a little earlier. So, um, you know, Amanda's not equipped to the gills with, with a bunch of rifles and, and cool, you know, military spec op stuff. But uh, she does have a few devices at her disposal. Do you want to talk a little bit about you know, the inventory and, and maybe a bit of the crafting system, how that works. Yeah, sure. I mean, as you mentioned, she's, you know, not exactly a soldier, so she can gain some weapons, like there's a, a revolver, a shotgun, a flamethrower, and, you know, some basic weapons she can pick up, but she's not very good with any of them. So they can often be useful more for just kind of distractions or taking care of the robots, um, you know, if you're in close proximity. But otherwise, you'll be sort of using items, really, to help you. There's obviously, like, your key items, like the hacker that we mentioned, and the motion tracker, and 
She even gets like um, a maintenance jack as well, so she can open certain ventilation doors. Um, but other than that, it's bits and pieces you find you can craft into useful materials. So you can create med packs, or you can create uh, a noisemaker, which literally does what it says on the tin. You throw it like a grenade, and it just starts beeping, and will send the alien to its position. Um, it's a particularly useful device, is that one, because I often find if there's uh, hostile civilians that are shooting at you, and you know the alien's about, you can either lure them to try and shoot at you, or throw a noisemaker their way, and the alien will just kind of take care of them, which basically means you've got the alien as like a, one of your weapons. I didn't even think about that. That's so cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can really use it to your advantage, and it's a good way to distract it as well while you go in the complete opposite direction and, you know, head towards your next objective. Uh, you've also got Molotov cocktails as well, which is quite useful because the alien doesn't like fire. So you can use that or the flamethrower when you're in a bit of a pickle and you need it to just get out of your face. You know, as Jeremy mentioned earlier with the doll, like, I'm not sure if he had a flamethrower at that point, but, like, that kind of weapon would just get rid of it. But I, I imagine where he was at was probably too early. But either way, it's, it's one of those last-ditch efforts where, yeah, if it comes into the vents after you or it's conned onto your position, you do have some kind of, um, kind of defence to get rid of it. Uh, you've also got things like smoke bombs as well and flashbangs and EMPs and all sorts of bits and pieces which are kind of useful against the humans and the robots. Um, like, obviously, EMPs are good for disabling the robots, which are surprisingly tough as well. I mean, considering you only have tough, yeah. ammunition. Yeah, yeah, you really don't want to be wasting, like, your shotgun ammo unless you have to. You know, unless there's a sequence where, like, there's one sequence where you're in the... You have to activate the power and there's robots going around, and at that point you've got this bolt gun. And the game's quite generous with giving you bolts to take care of these... Uh, to care, take care of these androids but usually you've got limited ammunition so you only really want to use it if you're in a pickle yeah and you mentioned ammunition sure you have a flamethrower and a bolt gun and a, a wrench but at the end of the day no matter what you do you cannot kill these aliens they they will not yeah. die you can unload your entire canister flamethrower and it'll just run away and then be back a few seconds later so they're really more strategic to get it out of your way rather than to put an end to the threat altogether which I thought was yeah, really cool. Sure. What difficulty did you guys, if you guys are comfortable, answer? <laughs> I, I played on easy. I was I started on hard and then went down to normal and then was, uh, you can change it throughout, but went down to, to easy mode by the end of it because I was just getting caught way too many times. Yeah, I was on hard. I said it was the recommended way to play, so that's what I went with. But I was actually curious what the differences are like in terms of like the alien AI and I don't know if you uh, played both modes enough to be able to speak on that but i was always kind of curious about that yeah i know in uh i know at least in nightmare mode they get rid of the hut altogether so you don't have like any ammo counter you don't have um like the flashlight battery there's no map the motion detector doesn't work and the ammunition is is super low like super conservative and i think the ammo count is is probably what varies the most between uh um, or the, the, the inventory, the item pickups. Um, because at the end of the day, the alien kills you in one hit. Um, you know, the androids probably take a few more shots to the head, you know, in different difficulties, but either way, they're they're hard. Even on easy mode, I found I was still getting killed nonstop. Yeah, I think the difficulty modes, it's mainly the 
there's some ammo differences, but I think a lot of it's to do with the aggression of the alien. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a lot more aggressive and can hunt you out a lot quicker on harder difficulties. Um, obviously, Nightmare, as you mentioned, it takes things one step further. Um, when I originally played on the 360, I played through normal and hard mode and tried Nightmare mode, but I didn't manage to finish it because it really is, like, good luck. Um, so it's for people who truly master the game. But with normal and hard, I don't find that there's a lot of differences between it. Um, obviously, normal does try and make things a little bit more forgiving, and I, I think that's a key difference. Easy mode, I think, is just even more forgiving, where you know you, you can even just duck down after the alien sees you, and you might get away with it. So I think the alien's just a lot dumber on it, even to be honest, more than anything. Now that you mention it, uh, I think I told you guys before we started that I. Um... On this playthrough, I played through about halfway through Mission 14, and then I YouTube the rest. And in the YouTube video I was watching, it did seem like the alien uh, was a little bit slower to pick up on things, and you could sort of evade its detection a lot more easily. So maybe that playthrough was playing on easy or something. Yeah, I played through normal on my first playthrough, um, and then easy on this one. And I thought I would just kind of breeze through the game since I, you know, already knew the mechanics and everything. But what I was finding was that androids were still really difficult to kill. Um, and then, of course, that bug that I experienced, which I didn't have the flamethrower for. Um, out of desperation, I tried the handgun, which does absolutely nothing to it, <laughs> at least in my experience. And, um, you know, if we're talk- talking differences, um, probably the most notable thing to me is just, like, uh, resource availability. I was, like, stuffed to the gills with um, anything that I could craft plus extra resources. and. You know, if you you have this mindset where you want to collect everything, you, you end up having to um, leave stuff behind on on easy, which is you know like a um, like oh no, I gotta take the, find a way to take that with me kind of experience. But um, it, after a while, you know, you start to realize that you're just going to be like you know stuffed with uh, inventory, so you just end up leaving things behind. Yeah, overall, super tough game. Um, I think they keep it fresh though. There's a lot of different types of animations for. The different deaths that you have uh, with the, the xenomorph. I think there's almost 20 different styles of, of kills uh, from the xenomorph and um, from from the androids altogether. So it keeps it a little fresh, maybe no less frustrating or scary, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. And you'll probably see them all on a first oh, yeah. playthrough. You'll, you'll see them all for sure. <laughs> I would love for it to have it. I don't know, maybe it does. Does it have a kill counter anywhere or a death counter? I would love to know how many times because it would be in this three digits easy for me. I know there was a, a PlayStation trophy for getting killed by the Xenomorph a hundred times, but I don't know if you, there's a place, uh, like a stat where you can see how, exactly how many times you were killed. It's the easiest trophy to get. <laughs> cool. Well, I, you know, I, I don't think you could really talk about the gameplay without talking about the music because it's so ingrained, you know, just sort of thinking back to the sounds. You got the sort of deep drone sounds you got like the the strings sometimes you even got some some vocals in there dispose you're a pretty musically inclined guy what did you think of, of of the sound design and the music in this game and how it was used yeah i thought it was really well done for the most part um being a horror game and more slow paced most of the time a lot of it was more ambient um so you have like the sort of creepy eerie vibe while you're sort of sneaking around and then that could be like more intense music if you're detected by enemies or you're, the action does pick up a little bit. The sound design as far as like sound effects and everything was 
extremely well done. I think very uh, important for like the immersion of it. Um, there's all these, uh, all those like different uh, machinery and things are always making sounds and things like, uh, you know, the footsteps of the, uh, the alien like thudding around and um, you can hear it crawling around on the vents and it's, and then this sort of like stealth based sneaking horror game that becomes very important, uh, important part of the gameplay just to know uh, where your enemies are and to get a sense of like when you're safe and when you're not and when you can progress forward. Um, that was an important element uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, I felt it like really made you aware of your environment. Like if you're in a room with like a loud hum or fans or something like you wanted to get out of there so you could you could get to a more quiet place so you could hear what was going on around you. And, you know, toward the end of the game, especially the music starts to really ramp up at points where it's like super loud and you can't hear mm -hmm. all the footsteps and, 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 you know, vent movement that's that's happening around you. I'm like, why would they do this? It's so frustrating. I can't. And I realized like that's probably the point they're trying to make is that as this fear escalates, as you're getting closer and closer to that finish line, like the stakes are getting higher and you're you're not going to have those you know, silent moments to really plot out your escape. You got to move and you got to take chances. So I, you know, afterward, I really enjoyed that. And I had moments like that when, uh, when just sort of in the middle of the game, when uh, I guess when I would get spotted by somebody or something and like this, that sort of like intense, loud string crescendo would come in and I wouldn't even be aware that something saw me. I'm like, why is that playing right now? <laughs> But I guess it alerts you that something's going on. But uh, I guess I did find that a little uh, distracting. And it was like it was like super loud, like over. It would sort of drown out a lot of the sound effects. In the background. Yeah, but it recreates that panic. You're like, why is this playing? I don't understand. Yeah, this. I was. Yeah, on? like super. So I'm like looking around, feeling panicky. Like, okay, what's what's around me? Where's the danger? You know. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's sort of intentional towards the end of the game where. You know the stakes are increasing and the music gets louder but you know yes it's more difficult to hear the footsteps but i also think if you're in that situation the whole stress would make it more difficult for you to concentrate anyway so i i do think it's intentional um personally i think they did the music really well and like all the sound effects like you know the 80s style machinery is you know that's typical of the films and you know, uh, obviously you've got the voice acting as well, which I think was also really well done. Personally, I the only gripe I really have was something that, you know, we mentioned earlier with the audio recordings. I think having them play straight away rather than having them, you know, in the menu to listen to your own time was probably a bad choice because listening to the footsteps of the alien and hearing the noise in the vent is so important to the game. And, you know, and staying alive, that you sort of have to, like, hide in a locker or under a table yeah. while you listen to an audio recording. And I feel like you could probably just play it whilst you're, you know, in a fight with some civilians or in something where the sound's not necessarily as yeah, important. totally. I, I found that too. And everything in this game makes noise. Everything you do, every step you take, everything you touch, it, it's making different levels of noise. And some, I, I feel like there may have been some... I don't know if it was glitches or what in, in my, my Steam Deck version, but sometimes it would sound like every step I took, I was like dragging like a bunch of tin cans behind me. Like I would take a little step and it'd just be like, like something was like, you know, stuck on my model and it just kept like clanging. And every time that happened, the Xenomorph would be right there waiting for me. So I, uh, yeah, I don't know what was up with that, but um, 
everything you do, you got to be very, very cautious about how fast you walk and how how clumsy you are when you move around. Jeremy, any thoughts on the music or sound design from you? Yeah, so um, like we mentioned before, um, you know, I think that the sound element is uh, is another one of those uh, gameplay characteristics that really like add to this game. You know, along with like the way you traverse the station, different tools you have. I think it's a game that really like um, does well to be played through with uh, headphones and in a dark room, which is what I did in my first playthrough. Um, you know, the, the thumping of the alien especially can like really send shivers up your spine. Um, and there were some moments in my first playthrough where I actually like took my headphones off and looked around the room to make sure nobody else was in there. And, and uh, you know, it, it really creates that creepy like atmosphere, you know, just that dread on you the whole time you're playing. Um, you know, it's, it's little things like machines whirring or buttons beeping or clicking. Uh, the movement or the um, voice acting of the androids, you know, um, are, are really like on spot with like the whole like vibe of the Alien uh, movie franchise. Um, and then kind of like a, I guess, an embarrassing thing um, now, since you guys are all talking about the music and how uh, well it played into um, the tone of the game. I actually don't remember a lot of the music and I'm struggling to remember it. Like <laughs> maybe I had that turned off in my playthrough because I actually don't even really remember like moments where the music was like crescendoing above the the gameplay itself so I must have like accidentally clicked it off at one point but I really can't can't remember can't recall it so um yeah <laughs> but yeah definitely the sound aspect of the, of the game is definitely on point that's actually a genius idea if I don't know if you can do that but if you can turn the music off I guess this game would be a whole lot easier to to hear all the sound effects by cranking mm. them up that's, uh, that's an interesting thought, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, totally agree. And, and you mentioned the Android's voice. Um, that sort of like monotone, like unsettling, very robotic. And, and I know like Seeks Incorporation is trying to like get away from the uncanny valley. That's their, that's their thing is to make androids that are very, very clearly androids. So people don't, you know, think that they're humans and have human elements like the Wayland yutani group. But yeah, just that like voice at the end of the hall saying, hey, you shouldn't be here. And then just boom, 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 the footsteps after you. You're like, oh shit, just have a wrench. Very cool stuff. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the design, um, which is for me, one of the pieces I feel this this game nailed the best, right? That, that aesthetic, that sort of retro-futuristic, lo-fi, sci-fi, 1979 Ridley Scott, authenticity i rewatched the movie right after i played the game like within minutes after playing the game and it was like a continuation of the game it was so close those corridors the sounds the steam like everything about it was just totally encompassed in this game i thought they did an amazing amazing job i don't know if you guys felt the same way but Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually had heard somewhere that uh, the design team studied the original movie like frame by frame just to nail that aesthetic. I, I, I really love that just sort of retro future look that was, I guess, kind of common around in the 70s and 80s, like what they thought the future would look like. And I was uh, a friend of mine was watching me play this a couple of weeks ago and he, he commented on the uh, how this is like a futuristic game, but they still have like these CRT monitors yeah. rather than any kind of flat panels just because you know we didn't have flat screens back then and uh but yeah i mean just there, there's an amazing amount of detail here in this game and uh 
like like you said they absolutely nailed the aesthetic of the uh, original movie and honestly for a, a game that's nearly 10 years old the graphics hold up really well like you wouldn't think it was it's as old as it is yeah no i totally agree um and you mentioned the crts one of the things that they were doing was they were recording footage for the game and then onto vhs tapes and then like just kicking around that vhs tape for a bit and throwing it back in a vcr <laughs> and seeing like what a damaged vhs uh, hmm. video would look like and that's how they captured a lot of the graphical elements from like the the terminals and stuff so oh, interesting yeah, i thought that was pretty cool yeah i think it's a you know from a design standpoint if you're like a fan of the franchise uh, particularly the first movie it's like definitely something you'll want to play just for that like just to be able to be in that world and explore um you know the nostromo and sevastopol station just um i think it's i think it's a fun experience um particularly uh, for people who, who are longtime fans to like drop themselves into that world and be able to um you know explore and interact with the environments and everything I, I think it's just like a really neat thing it's almost something like what uh star wars or maybe even star trek fans have been clamoring for for years just like a game where you can just drop yourself into a starship or a space station and just explore it um you know with a, with a story element uh to it of course um i think alien isolation just really nailed that yeah and it's it's totally lived into as a space station right like it's not just like your white wall corridors or you know broken pipes like there there is very much a lived-in aesthetic to the game where there's magazines and like half-filled coffee cups and you know all sorts of things just kind of strewn around the place and and even the the character models um to your point dispose look really good one of the fun facts i read was that in a deleted scene in Aliens, the second movie, Sigourney Weaver looks at a photo um, of her daughter, Amanda Ripley, when she's like 65 years old, because they, they sort of skipped each other's lives, right? And so her daughter is 65 years old, and that's actually a picture of um, Sigourney Weaver's mother, who Amanda Ripley was modeled after in the game. So... It's all it all sort of ties together, which is why Amanda kind of looks like Sigourney Weaver, but more more specifically like her her mother. So, I mean, they went far with wow, with the design of this. Like, there was clearly some love and care. It wasn't, you know, uh, just a, a random space station that was meant for another game that they said, "Hey, let's make it an alien IP and, and drop a xenomorph in here and say go." This was very clearly, you know, crafted from the ground up as something in the 1979 universe. Yeah, definitely. I mean. As you mentioned before, you watch the original film and you watch this and it, it looks the same. They absolutely got it perfect. But it's not just that as well, because there's a lot of new elements they add. Like, you know, whether it's the Sevastopol uh, space station itself or the Seeks and Androids, and it all looks like it fits. It doesn't look like, oh, this is new stuff that doesn't really gel well with the, you know, with the existing aesthetic they understand what makes that aesthetic and it looks great and even like the alien as well one of the things that you know the alien games tend to do is they model it after the the aliens models where you know they're very kind of fragile and you know break easy even though they are strong creatures whereas this alien is it's huge it's imposing it's threatening um, you can't kill it, and you know you can't kill it. You see it, and you think, I need to hide from this thing. And just like small details, like hiding under a table and seeing the tail slithering by as it's walking, 
or like you just see its back turn and just like all these little moments of design choices to add to the creep factor and they know horror they know alien and I, I say i think from a design point of view they they kind of nailed the look yeah. and the sound just as a design in general like that that alien that xenomorph design is is gorgeous but every part of it like you can see the head sort of jump into the the vents up above or you see the tail like wrap around a corner like there's so many like identifying parts of this alien's anatomy that that just can totally um you know send fear down your down your spine yeah like the movement is like a panther you know you see it kind of crawling around and it's really well animated you know as you mentioned before it's it's yeah. quite impressive for the time now i think visually looks great one of the things i personally struggled with was a little bit of the intuitiveness of the level design i didn't actually realize that you can download maps from terminals so i saw that after i finished the game um, but throughout my entire playthrough my goal would be you know a little flashing beacon on some unknown area of the map that i had no idea how to get to and it doesn't really do a great job for me anyway, with the wayfinding on where you're supposed to go. Um, I think it really makes you, you know, absorb the the environment so you can like really learn your way around. But a side product of that or a byproduct of that was that I would save at a terminal and I would just go on a suicide run down in one direction to see, should is that the place I'm supposed to go? No, okay, try down this hallway. No, down this hallway. And what that did as a result, it, it sort of diminished the fear factor a little bit of, of the actual alien encounters because I knew, okay, well, if I go there, I'm probably going to get attacked. And, you know, it, it just became a run, restart, run, restart, run. Re oh, that's where I'm supposed to go. Um, did you guys feel that at all? Or did you guys feel like you knew exactly where you had to go? Um, I leaned really hard on the, uh, the little icon thing on the motion tracker that would sort of point you in the right direction. I mostly just followed that. Um, I was aware that you could download the map data um, and anytime that the uh, motion tracker wasn't helping me out, I would uh, pull up the map and it would kind of circle like whatever general area area you needed to go to. Well, one thing you mentioned about um, the game becoming a little less scary, you know, you would just kind of do these little trial runs down a hallway just to see what would happen. Um, I do think this is a game that uh, maybe on a repeat playthrough, it, it, it it's not quite as scary as the first time because it's uh, like with a lot of horror games, it's the like unfamiliarity that makes it more scary. And like the more you know about how the alien works and like what it is capable of, um, like we talked about, like sort of like it's how the AI works. And once you kind of understand that and get a feel for it, um, you kind of know like what it will do or might do and what it's not able to do um so that makes it like a, a little less scary um on a once you're a little bit more aware of that i, I guess in general i didn't have a tough time navigating the, the game because i mostly just relied on that uh motion tracker beacon so what is what is this motion tracker beacon like i know the motion tracker shows you the enemies so there's like a little um blip around sort of like the the edge of the motion tracker and it'll it'll point you it's like a compass it'll point you in the right direction of your, your of your objective yeah it's not it's kind of like a waypoint so if you imagine like a waypoint system on a normal game where it shows you a little arrow when you point in the right direction it's like that but isolated to the tracker um that's what i used as well like 
I kind of use the map occasionally, but I was mainly just looking at the tracker for the general direction. Yeah, I can imagine thinking it would be a lot more difficult to navigate if you're not aware of yeah, that. Yeah, like, I don't, maybe I just missed, like, a whole section of, like, hey, here's how to use a map and a compass. I, I think he just kind of expects you to figure it out. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't recall uh, it being explained, but I, same thing, you know, use the motion tracker. Um, I don't, it's like, I don't, I don't remember when I learned that that was a thing. Um, and in my second playthrough, I actually forgot about downloading the maps too. And it came up when I was checking the map itself, like the map that I had uncovered. And there's like an icon for like an undiscovered uh, treasure or something like that, you know, something that you can interact with. And I was like, oh, what, you know, what is that? And then I navigated back to it. And it brought me to that bright screen, and it was a map download. I was like, oh, yeah, you could download maps in this game. That's so wild. <laughs> I don't know how I missed this. This is cool. But it's definitely, you know, talking about um, elements that don't hold up in a, in a replay, you know, I think once you kind of see all the uh, tricks of the game, it does become a lot less scary um, on replay, you know, to the point where you're, you're just kind of, like, moving through the game. Nothing really freaks you out anymore. You're just kind of moving through and the elements that would freak you out are almost like a nuisance because you have to like find a way to like get around them or something. No, I agree with you. I think it's probably um I think in relation to horror, I think it's something that you get with all horror games. Once you go into a repeat and you know how everything works, you don't necessarily have that element of surprise, whether it's Resident Evil, Silent Hill or any of the other classics. Um I think repeat playthroughs is more for like fans of the series where they can just kind of appreciate the tone and all the kind of aesthetic rather than the actual scares. And I think that that's the same with this. Like, if you like horror games, it's great to play once. Um, if you like alien films, it's great to play multiple times. Because I think you can just go in there and just be like, well, oh, this is a fantastic world. This is like watching an alien film, but for 20 hours. Yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, agree with that. It's not, you know, uh, so unique to this game the replay factor like playing through the resident evil 2 and 3 um remakes uh you know i played through those on the hardest difficulties so by the time you get to that point you're on your third playthrough and you're like coming coming to those you know horror beats and you already expect them and you're already loaded <laughs> ready to like blast whatever's coming around the corner out of the way it just it just becomes another like okay and hit here and blast that blow this up <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's it's you know, a, a thing of the genre where, um, you know, if you're looking to replay it, you're do, looking to do it for challenges or, you know, like you said, NYT, the um, uh, big fans of the series, you know, will want to get back in that world and explore it a little bit more. Speaking of big fans of the series, before we get into just our general overall thoughts of, of the game and, and what we'd like to see in the future, um, I want to hijack really quick with a segment. Uh, if you guys know me, you know I love books. I founded the video game library. Um, and I wanted to talk about a few really, really cool books based on Alien Isolation that I think some of the listeners might be interested in if you love the game. Uh, the first is The Art of Alien Isolation from, from Titan Books. It's the official art book, and it is beautiful, super high quality. Um, it's about 300, maybe 200 pages, um, but really, really nice book that dives into all of the... Um, you know, different elements and, and models and, and environments in the Alien Isolation game, which which is a really, really fun book to, to flip through. Um, back in 2019, uh, author uh, Keith R.A. DiCandido, he wrote a, a novelization of the book, which has a pretty good audiobook associated with it as well. So if you guys want to absorb it that way, um, it, it's not like a um, 
doesn't have music or anything in the backdrop. It's, it's just a narrated book, but um, audiobook is, is really good. If you guys can read Italian, I don't know if, if any listeners can, um, but there's a book called uh, Aliens Terrore Interattivo, which is essentially just a, a, an all-encompassing book of the history and a retrospective on every Alien game that's been released uh, since 1982. And there's been a ton of them. I was super surprised to see. Um, you know, of course, heard of Colonial Marines. I've heard of uh, Alien Isolation, but there's there's a ton of these games out there uh, even before the Super Nintendo era. So um, really, really cool book there. And then there's another one coming out in the future, maybe this year, maybe next, uh, called Perfect Organism. And that's from um, journalist Sandy Kelly. Uh, he's, he's putting that together and he, he claims it's going to be the de facto companion book to alien isolation super well researched and and a very very deep dive into every aspect of the game so he finished writing that in august it's going to come out in the next couple months here so super exciting yeah there's some great additional content you mentioned about the books you know there's loads of great books for the alien franchise anyway um some of them can be a bit hit and miss because obviously a lot of them are still that kind of base on the siege hide from the alien and then kill it somehow um, but there's still some good books as well. Like you mentioned, stuff like Perfect Organism, which I've heard of, which sounds like it's going to be great. And, you know, some great supplementary material to Alien Isolation. And loads of games as well. Like, there's so many Alien games. Whether it's Alien, Alien vs. Predator. There's yeah, so let's. Let, I guess let's talk about, um, yeah, overall thoughts on the game. But also, like, should, should this game get a sequel? Do, do we want to see anything more with this type of Alien aesthetic to it? Should they make something along the lines of Aliens where it's a little more firepower and, and brute force? Or should they stick with sort of the stalking, slow-paced, single xenomorph stuff? So as a game, I think Alien Isolation is pretty self-contained. And I don't feel like I ever hear people really clamoring for a sequel. I think it kind of just sits well as its own thing. Uh, that being said, I mean, you know, anytime a, a, a new game comes out that's really good is always going to pique my interest I, I do think it could be interesting if they could find a way to um just just make it work and not feel like a cheap cash-in sort of thing or just you know like they're trying to capitalize on the success of alien isolation um you know and maybe like iron out some of the rough edges of the game i think that could be uh definitely something worth checking out uh yeah i'm not so sure like Obviously, the game ends with a bit of a cliffhanger and sort of leads into a potential sequel, whether it's, you know, some kind of graphic novel or another game. Um, it certainly implies that there's going to be more to Amanda's story, because obviously, as we've seen from the photo, she lives to become an old woman. So, that you know, there's something that definitely happens in between that's unexplained. Um, whether I'd want another Alien Isolation? I'm not sure. I, I don't think they'd be able to repeat the same sort of game and you know have the same impact like definitely a survival horror type game i think would be fantastic you know rather than the traditional alien style game where you're blasting aliens left right and center which you get with avp um you know there's a bunch of modern aliens games as well which are which are like that and i don't know i think a horror based one would be good but not necessarily like alien isolation or with amanda 
Um, I don't think it's really necessary, to be honest. I think it's fine by itself. Yeah, it's it's, it's clear that like yeah, Amanda was uh, a, an interesting component to this, but it wasn't the only nod to the franchise as we've talked about. Like this, very much could stand up on its own with other characters or um, you know other areas of the the Alien universe. I think it just helped prop it up. Um, Jeremy, your your thought you, you had mentioned. Resident Evil a couple times. I don't know if you're familiar with Resident Evil 8, but you know, sort of a similar style where you're sort of getting stalked. Um, you know, does this game deserve a sequel, or was it just more of a stepping stone for the lar- larger, you know, horror genre in general? And it, it it sort of played its part, and the future is really just stuff that's non-alien IP. Yeah, I think I think you know, as a game itself. Um, and if you're a fan of the Alien franchise, you know, in particular the Alien movie, it's a must play. Um, as far as like a sequel goes, you kind of stole the joke I wanted to make, which was that, you know, hear me out, uh, Amanda Ripley with Space Marines. <laughs> but I'm, that's just a joke. Uh, I, think, I agree with everyone else where it's a, it's a game that really just stands on its own, um, doesn't need a sequel. And honestly, I have a hard time figuring out where they could go from here without feeling like it's just a retread of the first of this game. You know, um, you know, there's some creative people out there, you know, much more creative than me that might be able to figure it out. But uh, the cynical side of me says that, you know, the studio would just put out um, another, you know, game where uh, five years later, Amanda Ripley, here's a new space station. <laughs> here's a new alien. And, and here's the same doors that you have to try to go through and the same fires that are blocking your path. Um, you know, so in my, in my view, you know, echoing what everyone else said in order to avoid, avoid that, I think just a standalone game, you know, that, you know, as time goes on kind of stands that test of time. Um, and becomes like a must through must play through for anyone who's a fan of the of the fan franchises where that where it should stay in my view awesome yeah totally agree with all that whether you're a fan of the horror genre or the uh, alien franchise uh, this is definitely a game you should try out um, it is a little older but to, to jeremy's point playing with headphones and, and in the dark is is definitely the way to do it you are gonna get scared uh, you might not last through the full 20 hours of it, but uh, for what you do play, uh, I'm sure it'll at least be a memorable experience. I agree with no no need for a sequel, though, in a couple of years um, with, with new technology. I would love to see it be polished up a little bit and, um, you know, just just get uh, a little bit more out of um, of it. Because I think there's, there's so much potential there for just the, the sounds and the ambiance and everything to be elevated with, you know, 3D audio and dual sense controllers and all sorts of cool stuff so definitely check it out uh but that's going to do it for this episode of the cartridge club's game of the month podcast uh november's game of the month which if you're listening to this is already november you should know it's marvel's spider-man 2 from insomniac games once in a while we tread into the very uh modern um list of games and, and this was one that we just couldn't pass up and then for December, we've picked an indie game that fans have been really just clamoring for for years and years and years. And that is Celeste, which I'm super excited about. So hope to see you guys in the Discord or on the socials, sharing your experiences along the way. Uh, super powerful games. And um, yeah, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Again, if you want to hear uh, more about the Cartridge Club or get more involved, I encourage you guys to follow us on Twitter at Cartridge Club NA. You can also visit our Discord for... Uh, all kinds of discussions about past, present, and future games of the month. For those of you that are interested in supporting the club beyond a review 
on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, I want to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. Uh, we're super grateful to to have those supporters. If you're interested in being part of them, just head over to patreon.com slash cartridge club. Um, thank you guys so much. I want to give an opportunity for our guests to plug themselves because they're all super interesting guys with uh, a lot of great side content that you should definitely check out. Dispose, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun being here. Um, anybody wants to find me, I'm on Twitter at the Disposed Hero. I have a VGM cover YouTube channel that's been kind of dormant for a little while, but uh, maybe I'll pick that up sooner or later. But that's uh, it should be either be Disposed Hero or Disposed Hero VGM. I, I changed it, and I'm not sure which one shows up now, but. Uh, <laughs> And also I was streaming on Twitch for a while. I haven't done that in some time, but uh, that was at disposed underscore hero. Um, I have some things in the works, hopefully get back into uh, creating some content because I've been quiet for a while, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. Yeah, quiet or not, uh, those songs are, are evergreen. So definitely go over to the YouTube channel at the very least and, and check out some of his back catalog of, of music. A lot of RPG love in there. Um, and like I said, it is in my weekly rotation. Jeremy, how about you? Hey, yeah, you can find me on uh, Discord, Jeremy3EV. Um, I'm on there, usually dropping you know a couple comments here and there on, on the different channels. And then Twitch very rarely, um, hopefully more in the winter time here. But um, that's also Jeremy3EV. Usually playing 16-bit um, RPGs or platformers on there. So Awesome. And MIT, why don't you plug your site and all the great stuff you do there? Yeah, as you mentioned before, I have a website called The Elite Institute, which is theeliteinstitute.net. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, which is using the same handle, so if you search for it, I'm sure you'll be able to find it easy enough. Uh, it's focused on Switch reviews, mainly indie games, but also some bigger stuff as well from time to time. Uh, Alien Isolation is on there as well. It was even the first review on the site, in fact, so... Nice wow, little coincidence, nice circle. full circle. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, tons of reviews on a relatively frequent basis. Uh, usually I write it, but there's a bunch of other guest reviews as well. So uh, if you're interested in Switch content and hearing about Switch games and indie games, then that's the place to go. Awesome. Well, I, I super appreciate having you guys on the podcast to uh, chat with this, uh, chat about this and, and, and teach me some new things that I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and, and try maybe pull out that motion tracker one more time and see how it actually works and thank you everybody for, for listening we look forward to hearing from all of you guys soon, thanks for joining us CC Unite